Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio, where we'll talk about news, education, and opportunities for small businesses on the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street and in Washington, D.C. I'm Michelle Yancey. And I'm Kyle Todd. Welcome to Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Hey, good morning, and uh, welcome everyone to, uh, I believe this is episode 107, um, and we're excited about uh, our guest today. Uh, first, a couple of quick announcements. As always, we want to thank our sponsors, the Department of Small and Local Business Development and the Department of Housing and Community Development. It is their grant dollars that um, keeps the show going and helps us support small businesses up and down the Rhode Island Avenue Main Street Corridor. Um, and so a big shout out to DSLBD and DHCD. Uh, and welcome back, Michelle. Thank you, Kyle. I feel like it's been forever since you have been in this room with me. It has been forever. It's We've gone through torrential rains, cold weather, and now it's hot. So it has been a little while. <laughs> How like are you? Three seasons. Yes, all in, all all in, in a week. few weeks. Yeah, uh, all is well, all is well. Good. Um, so welcome back. Thank and, you. Uh, and let's, let's dive in. Uh, another quick announcement, um, the Department of Housing and Community Development is having their 10th annual D.C. Housing Expo and Home Show on Saturday, June 9th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center. Um, and despite the name, um, it is more than a housing expo, uh, although that is, uh, you know, the uh, main function. The main function. There, there is information for um, small businesses there. Um a, the, a, ver, a variety of small business technical assistance providers will be there. Uh, so whether you're a current homeowner or looking for um, uh, a place to live in D.C., uh, looking for information on housing, uh, or your small business looking for information on growing, uh, come by the D.C. Housing, uh, housing Expo and Home Show on Saturday, June 9th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And we're actually going to be there. Rhode oh. Island Avenue Radio is going to be there interviewing um, some folks. So uh, if you swing by uh, the Housing Expo, then come by our booth, Rhode Island Avenue Radio, uh, and say hello. Okay. So there's that. <laughs> I've done that now. Um, we also had an annual meeting, um, and the turnout was great for that. We had a tremendous amount of delicious food and beverage. Uh, good time was had by all. Um, you can download a copy of our annual report off of our website, riamainstreet.org, if you want to see what we were up to the last year, even though you kind of... You kind of... It's, it's kinda, obvious. You kind of know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can get the stats and the, the numbers and what we did over the past year, how many businesses we brought into the corridor and how many new jobs were brought into the corridor. Uh, it's exciting times, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, but, you know... As we are looking to continue to support small businesses in the area um, and and attract new businesses, uh, there there's an economic development adage that goes uh, something like uh, roofs before retail, meaning that there needs to be a certain threshold of residential density to support the types of businesses that most community members say they want like restaurants and you know everybody says they want a bookstore and coffee shop and dry cleaners and you know before those businesses go into an area they they pull data and they look at the number of people that live in the area they look at the average household median income uh, they look at the 
the uh, family size, household size, however you want to label it, um, to, to get a, a sense of, of how many people are going to be coming and supporting them. And if the numbers aren't there, they're not there. They're not there. So yeah. roofs before retails. Um, and so uh, I'm really excited to welcome our guest today to talk about adding more roofs. More roofs, excuse me. Uh, welcome to Cheryl Court, the Policy Director of Coalition for Smarter Growth. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. And you have a great subject to discuss with us today, uh, accessory dwelling units. That's right. Do you want to give uh, listeners just a rundown of what an accessory dwelling unit is? Well, an accessory dwelling unit, or actually technically in D.C., they're, they're specifically called accessory apartments, are a secondary dwelling that's established um, in conjunction with the, the main house that a, that a household would be living in. Um, but it's a separate unit. It could be a basement apartment. It could be a garage apartment, for instance. Those are pretty typical examples. Um, but this house, uh, this, this, this accessory unit uh, is, a, um, is a place that um, a, a smaller household could live that is related to um, on, either on the lot of a single-family house or in, say, like a basement apartment. So there are a lot of basement apartments in the, right. in the district of Columbia legal and otherwise. Correct. Well, that, that was going to be my question. What is, what is the legal standing of accessory dwelling units in the district of Columbia? Well, the reason why we're talking about this now is because in, with the, the changes of the 2016 zoning code, we, for the first time since 1958, legalized an accessory apartment in um, residential single family zones. So, um, until uh, 2016, it was very difficult or impossible to build a basement apartment or a garage apartment in a single-family zone. Those are called the R zones. Um, for forever, we've allowed, um, say, like a basement apartment in row house zones. Yeah. Those are now called RF zones or residential flat zones. Um, and so it's technically not an accessory to a principal you know, main house in, in that case, in a row house, a, a row house that has say like an upstairs and, and a, a upstairs apartment, basically in a downstairs apartment or condos. Those are sim- simply two different, uh, single, single family or two dwellings in the same building, mm-hmm. um, which is permitted under the zoning. So those row house zones allow between two and sometimes three or four units in one row house, but in a single family zone, which, um, this this part of the city in Ward Five has a lot of single family zones. Right. That's where um, prior to 2016, you were not allowed pretty much to build a basement apartment or have like a garage apartment. So, uh, this is this is a good thing to hear that I did not build out that apartment uh, about ten years ago when I thought it was going to be a smart idea um, because that would have been illegal. So, uh, <laughs> is it, it's it sounds like uh, I. I mean, I know when I first moved to D.C., I lived in a basement apartment, quote, air quotes quote, here, unquote. Um, <laughs> right. of a single family gotcha. dwelling. So that was an illegal apartment? It could have been. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this juncture, it would be great to sort of uh, legalize these units to make sure that they're safe, that they have the proper 
entrances right, and because escape. It has to have a window, right? And, and right, it, it has more. to have kind of a spe- specific um, entry accessibility, exit. basically. Mm-hmm. It can be a, a window counted for the, the sort of like emergency exit, basically, but it has to have certain dimensions. It can't basically. be a small window. Yeah. <laughs> right, it has to, you have to be able to sort of get out right. if you need to, <laughs> in the case of, say, like a fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that apartment was so illegal. <laughs> in <laughs> retrospect, yes. yes. In retrospect, uh, no heating or air. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so what what is the the push for this? What why do it? Why yeah. why are we as a nonprofit that works on affordable housing advocating for exactly. it? Exactly. So we we worked on the zoning changes and and won them and then we said great, now go forth and produce these units. So the reason why these are a benefit to the city is it creates a, a a new it diversifies neighborhoods offering a new type of housing that basically is going to be sort of like naturally more affordable because we're sort of it's on found land. It's on um, the the land of an existing home that we're just basically utilizing underutilized space that already exists on that either in the basement or in say like uh, a backyard cottage or a garage that um, that could be used but isn't basically right now. So what that does is it both benefits us by providing new rental options for people that might be a bit lower cost than other options. And then it also helps homeowners say like um, a young family can't quite afford to live in that single family single family house they'd really like to live in but with the income from that rental unit it makes it affordable for them to say early on they have one child and they 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 have a renter in there um, but eventually maybe their family expands or maybe they have a mother-in-law come live with us and so it gives a lot of flexibility to households over time right So, so cheryl what's some of the criteria for being able to add these units to a house so um, that's a great question. I don't know all the answers, but I am bringing people to we're bringing people together who do who can answer all of those details um, to a workshop in Brooklyn on um, June 26th. Nice. So I want to encourage people yeah, okay. to sign up for that. Um, you can find out about that at our website, which is smartergrowth.net/adu. And there we're actually doing two events. One is the the June homeowner workshop, basically where homeowners can come. Um, and starting at six o'clock at that event, we're going to have architects who are very experienced with doing these types of basement apartments or backyard um, apartments and come with your idea even, or if you have a sketch and get a little bit of input from an architect who can give you some um, understanding about what the zoning might might permit or not permit. Um, and then we're going to have um, uh, uh, presentations by a couple of architects by DCRA to talk about the zoning and permitting and um, also from lenders to talk about the best options for financing. So, so yeah. that's sort of, and that's sort of like my, my long answer is come to, come yes. to our workshop. My short I'm answer. Sure it's a lot. Um, it is a lot because for instance, um, ceiling height is probably the biggest cost driver for doing a basement apartment. Absolutely. Um, that would, that's probably the most popular way to um, build out a second unit. Um, but you really need to know because that will, affect a lot of all your other costs but there are other considerations like the location of your existing um, electrical panel um, because of the way you need to kind of um, create sort of a sub panel or basically uh, and so this would be a separate electrical panel that, that you're yeah but it can for. be a sub panel it oh, doesn't have okay. to be a separate meter okay um, but those are those are sort of there's a lot of technical questions about the building code and um, and what might affect cost more than others and that's um, we have some really terrific pro bono architects working with us who actually love to, to work with people and, and help them kind of suss out whether or not 
you know, they're a good candidate for this. And the other one, though, I want to say is that definitely look into um, garage apartments as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, granny pads. I like Our to granny call pads, them. right? <laughs> and in fact, I, I will say the other thing that's sort of exciting is that um, a, 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 a micro home de- uh builder has reached out to us and is coming to bring one of their microhomes to uh to dc um in in also in june and so we're trying to find them a landing spot they want to give tours and um we do have micro showcase in actually in ward five which um already is provides tours for their micro home but we're having sort of another um group that's been sort of built out a really clever um uh, modular housing that has really clever interior design for safe space for saving on space um you know a roll roll away bed and things like that so these are like tiny houses these are tiny houses yeah. right there's there are former tiny houses and so that group it's called casita they're coming and so we're you know we're interested in um that kind of that what that role might play for someone who has say a big yard mm-hmm. um and you need to just prepare say like a a, a okay. pad for mm-hmm. it and then anchor that that building in place and then um get the utility hookups yeah. and, and we know that the utility hookups with the electrical and um and wastewater and and water um can also be a trick um you, you'll you'll be saving money by basically probably connecting directly to the exist the primary dwelling to the main house mm-hmm. and so but sometimes you would have to connect i just talked to a woman the other day who's building out a garage apartment and she's having to connect directly um electrical to the street and those are and it's been some challenges there and that's actually what we're working on the coalition for smarter growth and other partners are working on how can we streamline this and make it as easy as possible and predictable as possible for homeowners to be able to take take this on because you know that dcra is gonna have to rewrite stuff uh, on this i mean like when when um when food trucks became a thing, yes, uh, and they had to write new food truck uh, rules to write them in because they didn't yeah. exist. Right, I, I imagine that there's going to be some some new things that pop along for DCRA that they're going to like. Oh, well, they, yeah, that really doesn't fit in any of our categories that exist right now. Or maybe I'm wrong. Well, maybe. I would say that you know accessory apartments are old and new. Um, People do live in carriage houses in the city, even though they haven't been allowed to be (laughs) lived in since the 1958 zoning code. But now that it is actually now permitted, that was another change. So we do have um, we do have plenty of examples of basement apartments in other zones than the single family zone. Mm -hmm. So it's both something that we've had around for a long time, but we're we're greatly expanding it to the largest residential zone of the of the city basically was our single family zone Mm so on that on that front um architects do have a fair amount of experience certainly with basement apartments i think architects um are building small houses as like a garage house so it's not really new to them either um the dcra we definitely think that they could do things better and make it more understandable and so we're we're looking at how do we uh identify all those ways that that this effort might be um, complicated in a way that it shouldn't be for homeowners, especially since these are homeowners, not professional developers coming in to permit their one unit. Right. So, Cheryl, the Coalition for Smarter Growth is a nonprofit. Correct. How do you all get your funding? And how will you all help people like me? Okay. Well, we're like anyone, you know, we're a a nonprofit working in D.C. and Mm -hmm. and the Maryland and Virginia suburbs. And we're mostly financed through foundations, Mm -hmm. through individual giving and through some corporate funding as well. 
Um, and I don't think we do any fee-for-service at this point. We try. I, I think maybe we do a little tiny bit, but um, that's not really how we, we keep the lights on. Um, so as a, as a nonprofit, what we're, we're doing is we're saying, well, how can we reform um, policies and laws that might be standing in the way of more affordable housing, basically? Which is a huge problem right. here in the city. And yeah. then how can we – but when we co- came to the question of accessory dwelling units, then it's like, well, now we need to undo the barriers that keep individual homeowners who are not professional developers. Now that we beat down the regulatory barriers, it's now allowed – in um, residential zones, how can we make it as easy as possible um, for homeowners to be able to, to do this? And so this is a, it's a bit of a new uh, area of work for us, learning, uh, getting in deep on, say, building codes and things like that. The zoning is something that we're familiar with because we've worked a lot on zoning. Um, and so now we've, we've basically, we've, we've done, we're, we're doing a lot of education. We're, we're reaching out to Architects are very eager, I would say, to contribute to this collective effort in, in giving their, ta- their time pro bono to help um, improve the, the development review process, the permitting process, to help home- homeowners understand what they need to do. And so one of the ways I, I want to actually really invite everybody who has any interest at all in this, either as a homeowner or as a professional, is to join our um, – we have a, a listserv. We have a, an online community to discuss these things and to share information and to um, help people um, – you know, when we get a question – a homeowner says, can I do this thing? And then an architect will say, well, you have to do this, that, and the other thing. Or, oh, turns out you can't build a roof deck on your accessory, <laughs> your, your, you know, your uh, garage apartment. That's true. Um, so I want to invite people, again, to go to our, our website, smartergrowth.net slash ADU, and that can, it tells you how to sign up for our online forum. And that is a great way for people to share information and really build our knowledge. I mean, frankly, you know, you went to one uh, you know, DCRA permit reviewer who said one thing to you, and oh, then we've been through that. <laughs> and then we share online. Oh, well, another one said this, and and so we can start to build. Um, a, a, we can share information, and so we can help to work with DCRA to straighten these things out, so everybody can get consistent answers and have the same expectations when what they go to get a permit at DCRA. Yeah, uh, or at the very least, share the names of the uh, of the person that gave you that information. The, the good, the, the, yeah, the yes the answer. Good, the, the good information. <laughs> Go visit that person. So uh, I know it's only been a couple of years since the legislation, I guess, was approved and, and legalized. Um, any success stories with any one building, like a little? We're we're it's still sort of at the beginning. We're definitely seeing these units start out. Um, I've talked to a number of people who are. Who have a few people who've done it, a few people who are in the process, and a lot of people who are interested in doing it. So, um, one case I know a guy with um, a young family. He was renovating his house anyway, and so he was waiting for the the regula- It's the zoning yeah, regulations. Yeah, there's been a lot of people waiting. Right, he went. He was waiting for it to change so that he could build out his basement apartment in order to help supplement his family's income. So he's done that. He rents it out to. So he's a young family living upstairs, and then he has um, he has two uh, I think law students living in his basement. And he said it's a really um, great way to. You know, it's a big house that maybe someday he would want to use that as an office or something. But right now, it's a great way for for his family to supplement his, their income and give a, a space for young people who need to live nearby because they go to a you know university nearby. So that's sort of one example. 
Um, I have talked to someone who's very interested in building out um, their their basement or their um, garage into a um, into a garage apartment where she said, you know, in the in the first few years, I think we'll we'll rent it out in order to pay back the cost of building it out. But eventually, I think that we will probably move my mother-in-law into that into that site and so that's another way of showing kind of the flexibility that over time as we change our needs change this is a way to adapt our our existing housing stock to serve different needs over time yeah does that situation work uh the garage unit you said someone that was building something already on an existing garage if you don't have a garage and you'd like to do something like that does this cover Yes, you could build in the R zone, in the residential zones. You absolutely can um, build a um, a, 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 de- a detached structure. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to be a garage. I think basically you have to repl- if there's parking provided, you need to replace the parking. But I've seen a plan approved where they took a garage, they got approval to add a second story onto that garage, and then they put in a parking pad next to it. One of the main rules for garages is that if there's nothing, if there's no structure there, you need to be uh, 12 feet from the center line of the alley. That's kind of the main rule. Um, but if you have an existing garage that might be grandfathered, it might be too close or it might be too big. You can, you know, basically DCRA will work with you. Um, for instance, I've seen a garage that was approved for the second story where the footprint of the of the original garage is a little too big for what's what's permitted in the rear yard so the second story fits the new per, the 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 slightly smaller footprint that is okay which means the garage is grandfathered but they added a, they're going to add a second story a, a mini setback on that second floor <laughs> <laughs> there's one more thing i actually really want to to mention is that in addition to the homeowner workshop that we're doing in Brooklyn that I hope everybody who's at all interested in coming, it's free of charge, please sign up, is we um, we just sort of jumped to the chance to bring in a, um, there's this guy from Portland, Oregon. Portland has been doing, they're doing like 600 units a year now, which is, is just a sizable number of units. We're not anywhere near that right now. He is a professional educator and trainer to help homeowners build accessory apartments and he's coming to um, do a book talk and talk about his experience doing these trainings and and give a lot of insight on how to do that and that's on also we're gonna do that smith public trust on 12th street um on uh, june 19th and so that also is free we want to invite anybody and everybody who's interested in joining us for that um it just sort of came up we just had to do it it's it's a a week away from our homeowner workshop but we just we just had to do it and And it's on your website and it's on our website and he's a big name and and he is yes so he's he's um he actually it's his full-time job he does this for a living um doing trainings uh, like a full day training with homeowners to help them walk through every stage of the process to being successful in building an accessory unit. And he actually does it, um, I think he's he's sort of certified or whatever in terms of building in um, Oregon, Washington, and California. So he has a breadth of knowledge of sort of building code and, um, and regulatory standards in those jurisdictions. So that's a lot of experience. It, you know, DC will be slightly different, though the building code will be pretty much the same. Yeah. So uh, um, what do you... You have to you have to think at some level. You know what what kind of numbers are we looking at? Well, our goal is is to have this be you know um, like uh, I don't know five percent of um, could we do several hundred units a year of this? That's that's sort of what we'd like to what we would like to see um, in uh, it, 
the one of the I would say ultimately we've removed most regulatory constraints for doing this. And if you look at you know Capitol Hill or places with row house neighborhoods, there are a lot of basement apartments, right? So where there aren't regulatory barriers and there's just sort of the challenge of you know fitting it and conforming with code, there are a lot of basement apartments, and that's great. So as we look at our single family zones, um, we we've we've brought we've removed most of the regulatory barriers. I will say that one thing that will definitely be a bit of a constraint is the requirement that it's um, owner occupied, and that's where it means that this is about homeowners learning how to do this rather than say like an investor you know putting in two units basically right or or somebody building out a, a an additional unit and then renting out both the house and Correct. the additional unit. So that's one of the very specific um, regulatory requirements is that the homeowner must live in one of the two units. They don't have to live in the main unit. They can live in the, they say like a garage apartment, but they li- need to live in one of those units. That right. makes sense. Definitely. So, so from an economic development standpoint, I, I think this is such a, a critical value add to the district because you know, as you mentioned in the in the RF zones uh, where it's row houses and basement apartments are ubiquitous, um, that's where you see the most uh, economic development happening in the areas of Shaw and Capitol Hill and those places where there's a lot of people packed into a, a pretty small space uh, footprint geographically. Uh, it, so I'm not saying this correctly, but anyway. Well, I mean, it's basically what you just said too. The the roofs before retail. Yeah, I yeah. mean that. Yeah. yeah, and as as we face challenges in in our particular corridor, um, not only of of providing um, affordable housing, but you know we've got a, a couple of really large PUDs that have come to a complete standstill. Um, because of uh, appeals to the zoning commission, uh, zoning ruling on on the PUDs going forward, and and let me give the disclaimer that I'm I am a fan of the PUD process because I think it's important for community to have input in in those large scale, highly impactful developments. But um, there's got to be a better balance, and you know now now we're looking at. Uh, developers that are just shifting to buy right development which means they can uh, do whatever they want they can do whatever they want there'll be less density uh and and the 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 latest mid-city property you know if you know they've still got to decide what they're going to do but yeah, they also lose well we lose affordable housing exactly if we lose that exactly you know they in as part of their pud they had a 22 percent, i think affordable and if they choose to go buy right or sell then there, you know, what is their incentive to do in affordable housing? Right. Uh, or above the, the minimum. And if they, if they do decide to plow through, that's, it's going to be in appeals for a couple of years. And once again, slowing down economic development on Rhode Island Avenue and sitting there with big vacant lots doing nothing, but, but gathering trash. Um, so I feel like uh, from an economic development standpoint, the accessory dwelling units is uh, a much needed value add to contributing to a little bit more density to neighborhoods. Right. It's a way to seamlessly include uh, more households in these lower density neighborhoods so that they can um, both offer different housing options in those neighborhoods and also obviously generate more customers for the bu- the, the businesses 
in the in the commercial areas and also help the homeowners uh, to be able to buy homes right to, to have that supplemental income and as you're adding to the housing stock throughout the district it takes the pressure off from a market standpoint and and maybe you know rates rent rental rates don't go through the roof as as rapidly as they have in the, in years past so i i just feel like this is a win win is there are there you know what what obstacles would you possibly see um i mean i know that the zoning has been changed it's it's a done deal but you know when are there any detractors to this? I can't imagine that there would be. Well, at this point, what we're saying is that this is now under the new zoning code. You can do this by right. It's just a matter of right. You just need to, to make sure your zoning fits and you're doing your building, you're conforming to your building code. So we've removed most of the regulatory barriers, and it's really now just about helping homeowners learn how to do it. Right. So I know that uh, there are times when homeowners will go before ANC to uh, to get waivers for you know a curb cut or a little bit higher fence or whatever the case may be uh, is this something that should they need a little waiver are there waivers available for any parts of this certainly I mean if you if there's something for some reason that your lot doesn't fit or there's some kind of something that's not quite congruent with the zoning that you might need to ask for a, a special exception or a variance, um, you would need the support. You need to go and work with your neighbors and, and the ANC. But what we're saying is that there are a lot of properties out there today now under the new code that just allow you to go convert your garage into a separate living space. And you don't need special permissions to do that. You just need to comply with the building code and comply with the zoning. Yep. So just follow the rules and you'll be okay. <laughs> and we are here to help you every step of the way. So um, please join our, our online community to discuss these issues. Come to our training, our workshop on um, June 26th. And come to our, our book talk to hear from kind of the leading educator in how to build accessory units on um, June 19th. So remind our listeners where they can find this information. It's at our website, which is smartergrowth.net slash ADU. You guys have uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that good Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm so excited about the tiny house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. and I want to thank Rhode Island Avenue uh, Main Street is is co-hosting yep. our co-sponsoring yep. our um, our homeowner workshop. We really appreciate that. Very proud to do so. I think it's a, a, an important step. Um, well, thank you, Cheryl, for joining thank us. You. Um, thank you. We'll probably ask you to come back and, and talk more Great. about this yeah. uh, in future episodes because okay. I think this is an ongoing discussion for the District of Columbia. Definitely. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you. And now it is time to check in with Casey at Good Food Markets. Good morning, Casey. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing mm. well. How are you today? I'm great. It's been a minute. I It has been, and <laughs> I, I feel like uh, we've, we've missed um, – some opportunities to talk about all the fresh spring produce and and maybe probably but it's been a cruddy spring so well, there's <laughs> all things that. considered um this is probably for the best i'm sure you guys have seen um we had all that rain um in the middle of may it was terrible and we've just really seen a, a super cold um early start to spring and then it got blazing hot um i was expecting that my growers would have a lot of trouble through this um, but DC's really come a long way in their local growing practices. 
Um, and some of the farmers that I've been talking to, you know, with um, whether they're using hoops or they're using houses, um, little greenhouses, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well on their crops for spring. Um, we just got a fresh shipment of DC Urban Greens items in. You guys might remember them from last year, right. actually. Right, 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 yes. Yeah, so, so they're phenomenal. Um, and we've got beautiful um, bunches of kale and collards from them. Um, and the most crisp, delicious spinach um, that we're packaging up, similar to, to the spinach that people are used to seeing with us. Great, um, sounds good. But those are the, those are the spring things that we're kind of limiting it to. And I cannot wait for our summer items to start coming through. So um, is this the, the time of year for uh, garlic scapes, ramps, whatever they're called? I think it had something to do with um, with how cold the weather was. But the people that we typically get our ramps from never really came around and told us what was up. Huh. Um, so we never did get those ramps. Um, I'm but, sorry, what are ramps? Uh, ramps are like... It's been a ramp. It's like a wild onion, like a wild garlic onion hybrid. They're very delicate greens um, and a pretty pungent stem. Sounds great and, for your uh, breath. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> will pickle them or put them into a pesto. Um, I personally can't wait for just basil. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait. Basil pesto. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Can't get any better. Yeah, I was. I went in a couple of weeks ago looking for basil, and I was too soon, so I can't wait either. We have those like little hydroponic living plants, but we'll have heaps and piles of fresh cut basil. Um, I would say in about three weeks or so. And the early basil is the best before it starts getting that licorice flavor to it. Ooh, that's even better for me. The more peppery, <laughs> the better. <laughs> all right, I'll eat well, all the old stuff. Good, good. It's all it's all you. Um, <laughs> what what about uh, new for the spring summer beer? You get right to beer. How, how, what, well, how are you skipping over fruits before? I mean, you're getting to the. We're trying to be healthy, and you get right to the ice cream <laughs> and beer. All about the <laughs> Tell me all about the beer and ice cream. How about some fruit? Do we have any springtime fruits yeah. before is, we go? This to is the... getting into uh, stone fruit season, mm-hmm. so not so much in our area, but it's definitely coming from a little bit south of us, California for sure. Um, there's some things coming out of Florida. But these are like the apricots, the cherries, um, peaches are going to start coming through. Oh, I can't wait for I that. I can't tell. I think peaches are still like our best-selling fruit um, all year long, even though we only have them for about like six weeks at any one given time, the local ones. Mm-hmm. But they are just so plump and juicy and sweet. So how far <laughs> are we out? I and I freeze them. Ah, that's a great idea. How far are we out before those come out? That's like, I've got some um, plums and some cherries now, and we should be getting peaches really um, within a week or so. Mm. Apricots are okay. They're a bit early on the fruit. Uh, The market's flooded with apricots right now, and I think that it's just a little too soon, um, but I think that we have a strong season coming up. Very good. Okay, now for the beer and ice cream. Now for the beer and the wine. Okay, so... Um, I'm doing this giant clear out of a lot of our wines that we've just sort of had sitting there for a while. They're great wines, but, you know, it's spring. We want to do something new. I don't know if you guys know, but Rosé Day is June 9th. (laughs) Every second Saturday in June (laughs) is Rosé Day. (laughs) Um, So in in celebration of Rosé Day, I'm clearing out a lot of space that I can bring in some new fun wines for everybody. Um, I think that especially with the hot weather that we're going to be seeing this spring and this summer, a nice crisp rosé that's had its barriers broken down, men and women alike enjoying rosé outside, um, sitting on a patio, 
uh, we're going to have a lot of new fun stuff. Very so good. come take advantage of closeout sales and be on the lookout for new rosés coming in June. Nice. Very nice. good. So ice cream? <laughs> I mean, ice we got to come back to ice cream. That actually, I'm really glad that you asked, Kyle. <laughs> I, um, I haven't been so on top of the trickling spring seasonal ice cream. That is in part because um, sometime last year, trickling springs was purchased by Rainforest Distribution. Ooh. Now, um, I think... It, in case anyone was worried, everybody wins in this situation. Trickling Springs still has, um, I think, all if not more employees. Um, and Rainforest has a wider distribution network, a warehouses in Maryland that's really close to us. Uh, that being said, the seasonal flavors have changed the way that they're launched and how long they're offered for. Um, so I haven't been so on top of that. I know some of Kyle's favorites have been missing from the store. But <laughs> I have have an alternative for you and that is breeze brookland so oh, yeah. a local in our neighborhood um has been making ice cream yeah we um, had her on we the... now carry it at the store we had her on the show um Phenomenal. yeah just uh just last episode she was on the show and um she actually brought some samples in and and kyle Isn't didn't so save good? me any <laughs> kyle did not save me any of that by the way you, know what? you snooze you lose it's really Michelle. hard to <laughs> Yeah, it was delicious, and I'm so excited that it's going to be down there at Good Food Market. Totally. Yeah, we're going to try and rotate out the flavors as Bree makes new ones. Um, but, yeah, it's phenomenal to see um, a neighbor's product in the store. Uh, we have a few things like that um, on our shelves and, and always ask the staff if you're looking for local-specific things. Um, we don't really have, like, a, a local section um, solely because, you know, they, they should be in the regular product mix. That's where they deserve to be. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they are as competitive as any of the other items that we have. And so, yeah, we've got, we've got Breeze Brooklyn Creamery, um, and you guys should definitely come through and, and support a neighbor. Absolutely. You know, you know you can count on me for that. <laughs> uh, okay. I will do his share. <laughs> Casey, uh, remind listeners where they can find good food markets. Yep. So we are on 20th and Rhode Island. Um, we're right in between Capoeira Spot and Global Print. Uh, we're open seven days a week. On weekdays from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and on weekends from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh, we're online at goodfoodmarkets.com and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Casey. Thanks, Thank you, Michelle. Casey. Thank you, Kyle. Take care. That is going to wrap up another episode of Rhode Island Avenue Radio. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will uh, we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Mm-hmm.